Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. A few weeks ago, we heard Jesus say that it was to our advantage that he was going away. Living as we do in a world that could certainly use the guiding hand of our Lord, this may seem like a confounding statement. How can Jesus going away be good for us? Let's take the disciples, for instance. Here are the things Jesus promised to them as he was preparing them, not just for his crucifixion, but also for his ascension into heaven. He told them, in a little while, you will not see me, and again, in a little while, you will see me. The crucifixion and burial of Jesus would be sort of a dry run for them, that there would be a time where they would not see Jesus, they would see him again, so that they could begin to understand what Christ's ascension, when it came, would be like. They'd spent so much time with him over the course of a three-year ministry, but now he was going to depart from them. He'd also told them that they would weep and lament while the world would rejoice, but he would return and they would see him again and then no one would be able to take that joy away from them. Jesus' death and his burial were certainly among the darkest days for the disciples. And yet, on the third day, when Jesus arose and he appeared among them, what joy did they experience? This Jesus, who was dead, was alive. Jesus kept his promise. So Jesus had told them it was to their advantage that he was going to depart because at his departure, he was going to send them the Holy Spirit who would convict the world concerning sin, concerning righteousness, and concerning judgment. Already on Easter evening, Jesus delivered a portion of that Holy Spirit's power to them sort of as a down payment as he gave to them the authority to forgive the sins of any who repented. And yet, despite all of these promises that Jesus had made, and despite the fact that just within a few days' time frame, they had seen many of these self-same promises fulfilled, the disciples still, 40 days after the resurrection, didn't quite understand this advantage. We just heard them ask Jesus the question before he ascended, Lord, Will you now, at this time, restore the kingdom to Israel? They could not seem to grasp that Jesus was ascending into heaven to take his seat at the right hand of God. They still saw Jesus as a political savior who had come to restore a rather petty and small kingdom, as far as the kingdoms of the earth go, rather than being king of the entire universe. Now, it is rather astonishing, I think, to see this in action, to consider the few days that passed between the making of these promises and their fulfillment. Jesus does miracles all throughout the Gospels, though, and the disciples still seem to worry about things like having enough bread to eat. Jesus spoke plainly about his death and resurrection, and yet the disciples don't get that either, or in the case of Peter, they even rebuke him for it. 
But before we're too hard on these guys, we should consider that we don't act any better than they do. You have been baptized. What does Jesus say about that? Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Mark 16, 16. You have heard Christ's word. What does Jesus say about that? Whoever hears you, hears me. Luke 10, 16. I stood here a few minutes ago, and I told you that your sins were forgiven for the sake of Jesus' suffering and death. What does Jesus say about that? If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. John 20, 22, and 23. In a short time, you will have the opportunity to receive the Lord's Supper. What does Jesus say about that? Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22, 1 Corinthians 11. This Easter season, as we do every Easter season, we confess loudly and often that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. But how often do these great gifts and these great promises of Jesus seem to fade when we're going through the heart and the heat of suffering? How often do the cares and concerns of this life overwhelm us, either by their sheer magnitude or when we simply give ourselves over to them as if this game or that conflict outweighs what happens here in this place? What are we expecting Jesus to do that he hasn't already done for us or hasn't yet delivered on? What is God doing about the sufferings of this life? When is he going to get rid of all of the evils that we face in this life? Well, dear saints, this is the theological equivalent of asking Jesus when he's going to restore Israel's political power, all the while gazing up to the sky with our mouths hanging down to our chests. People loved by God. What has God said about Christ's ascension into heaven? You've heard St. Mark. So when the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Mark 16, 19. This isn't just a seat of honor for Christ or a place where he is at rest until he comes again in judgment. He's not locked up in that place. But Christ's seat in heaven is the place where he rules all things. Peter, in his sermon on Pentecost, quotes Psalm 110, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Acts 2, 34 and 35. With these words, Peter is depicting Jesus as the ruling monarch of all things in heaven and on earth. This helps us when St. Paul writes in a different place, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his good purpose. God exercises authority 
over all things and works all things in our lives, both good and bad, and probably especially the evil things that we suffer in this life, because he is on his throne, governing everything for our good. But we also ought to be reminded that we don't believe in a real absence of Jesus. We extinguish the Christ candle this evening, not to indicate that Jesus is no longer with us. Christ is no longer present in the same manner that he was during his earthly ministry, but that does not mean that he is gone. St. Paul says, He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. In ascending to the throne of God, then, Jesus is now even closer to us now than he would be if he were touring around from place to place, preaching and doing miracles like he did in the New Testament. So, for instance, St. Mark again writes, And the disciples went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. If you read the book of Acts, where this gets spelled out in all of its explicit and gory details, this doesn't, the book of Acts doesn't show Jesus popping in and out where the apostles were, but instead, the book of Acts is a chronicle of how the apostles baptized and preached and carried the saving message of Jesus to the ends of the earth, sometimes with miraculous signs, but not by their own power and authority, but by the power and authority that Jesus had given to them. The only reason the apostolic preaching then or the preaching of the church now made a single convert is because of the word that is proclaimed is Christ's word. And dear saints, this is still true today. This is why we are at church, and that's why we are so laser-focused on the Bible. It's not my word. It's not the word of any pastor who has stood in this pulpit before me. It is Christ's word. The baptism that I have administered here and the pastors at Trinity before have administered here is not our baptism, but it is Christ's baptism. It is Christ's absolution. It is Christ's supper. And his word gives us the ability to trust in these things. Not just because the word has power, it certainly does, but because of what the word preaches to us. When Christ makes a promise, he keeps it. When Jesus says, I am with you always to the end of the age, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, that's where I am. He means it. He knows the numbers of hairs on your head, not because he's omniscient, but because he is as close to you as the shirt on your back. That is what his ascension into heaven gives him the authority to do. And if those advantages are not enough to comfort and sustain us in the midst of this earthly strife, Jesus' ascension does one other rather marvelous thing. It carries our humanity itself into heaven. How exciting is it when you know someone from your hometown who is famous? 
Now imagine if that famous person were your brother. Christ is your brother, and he is on the throne of God. But it's even more than knowing the guy and being related to the guy on the throne. In ascending to heaven in his body, Jesus has brought humanity into heaven. That is now our place. As St. John says in Revelation, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Revelation 21, 3 and 4. Dear saints, heaven is yours because Christ has ascended into heaven to prepare a place for you. As he said, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. John 14, 2 and 3. People loved by God. How do we endure in this evil age? We look at the promises of Jesus. He has not yet failed in keeping a single one of them. When we know the ending of the story, which Christ has already told us in his word, we know that we have already what it takes to endure to the end. Why? Not because they are motivational stories to pick you up when you're feeling down, but because Christ himself is speaking to you in his word. He is declaring his very presence among us in the word and in the sacraments. And this right here in this place is a snapshot of the life of the world to come. Because this is where Jesus has promised to be, where we can seek him and find him. You see, dearly beloved, Christ isn't coming to do maintenance work on this fallen world. He's coming again to bring us into the new heavens and the new earth. And he comes to give all of it to you. It's all yours. Christ is risen. Christ is ascended. And now Christ fills all things. He speaks to us here and he feeds us that we would have life now. But most especially that we would have life forevermore. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. In Jesus' name. Amen. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus, our Lord.